Welcome to Hook and Landry, as we'll talk as much football as we can. We promise not to make it a COVID show, so we're not going to do that, but it's kind of hard to ignore. Uh, he is uh, Chris Landry. Go to LandryFootball.com to learn more. I'm Dave Hooker and a lot to get to, so let's let's push COVID back a little bit. Uh, the first SEC firing. Uh, were you surprised to see Will Muschamp at this point get the heave-ho? Well, yes and no. It's always um, going into the year, I thought the one thing that could save Will like it would for most is that uh, you might have folks that would get uh, a Corona um, mulligan, you know, and, and it's a tough year. It's money. and um, But there's always a point, Dave, as you know, you follow this enough to where it's, okay, this is it's kind of where they are, and this is – I thought this was going to be a tough game for him if he lost it. You lose to a first-year coach, a coach that's in his first year in his tenure. You've been now in your fifth, sixth year, and they not only lost, but his defense got tons of points put on them. And so I know it's tough. I know it's uh, people will say it's a uh, it's a tough year to be losing your job in the corona environment. But you know everybody's having to deal with it. And he didn't get fired because they lost to Ole Miss. He got fired because it's kind of the final straw of where they've been. All things considered, the way it played out, it was coming. It was you could feel it coming, um, and it was going to take something on the positive end just to get him through this year into next year. And it just it just didn't happen for him. Blown out by LSU, which hasn't busted a grape yet this year. And to get basically tons of points put on him by Ole Miss was was a really bad look. Um, now, what is Ray Tanner going to do? Some a quick note on the buyout, and this is important. They can pay him out over five years, which is really important now in today's current environment financially. So they got five years, and hopefully the economy getting better and getting back to some normal, so they can pay them out over five years, minus any say coordinator jobs that he might take, which you know will cut a little bit off of what they owe. So it's not like they got to cut that check big time, but they got to move forward. Dave, I've said it, and I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm curious to see if um, Bob Cassum, the the new president there. And I say new; he's been there for a year. He was a guy that hired uh, Jeff Munkin over at Army, and I think he's got big ideas. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see if this is going to be Ray Tanner's call. If it's me, I mean, I'm making a push, and I'm getting Hugh, a deal done with Hugh Freeze as soon as I can. I'm not Amen. sure that's where they're thinking, and I don't know if it, you know. I, they, they very well could screw this higher up. I think they screwed up when they hired Will to begin with. But they took, let's just call it what it is. Steve Spurrier got Will Muschamp hired at South Carolina. He he convinced Ray Tanner, hey, look, you guys, this guy will get, you know, this guy will get it done for you here. Um, I think you freeze makes all the sense in the world. I think I think I'll go so far as to say anybody other than you freeze is going to be a major disappointment to the fans. And it's going to require them to have a lot of success because no one's going to move the needle like you freeze will move the needle. And you don't hire a coach because he moves the needle, Dave, but it doesn't hurt. And this guy's proven 
winner in this league, a proven recruiter. Yes, comes with a baggage, recruiting-wise and off the field. At some point, you got to get over it. If you don't hire him, South Carolina, somebody will, and you're going to have to play against him, and you're going to regret you didn't hire him. Well, speaking to your point, too, I believe that's probably part of the reason they acted so quickly. Um, I, I really believe that because um, I, I look back at Tennessee, which people know I have Tennessee ties. Uh, there's a reason Philip Fulmer got hired or fired in the middle of the season. It's because Lane Kiffin was flirting with Washington and other schools, and they wanted to go get him. So I, I don't know if it's you freeze. I tend to agree with you. But there is, I think, a little bit, a 10% of an ulterior motive there to go ahead and make this move now so you can get a head start on everybody else. Yeah, listen, I think I know Billy Napier personally. Billy Napier is coached at Clemson under Dabos when he got, got let go there. Um, coached under Nick Saban. He's got ties in the state. Has basically turned down Mississippi State before they could officially offer it to him last year because he had his eyes on this job. I think he would absolutely take this job if offered, and I think he'd be a good hire, not Hugh Freeze. Um, Jamie Chadwell's done a great job at Coastal Carolina right up down the road. Will Healy at Charlotte right up the road has done a good job. But um, I, I'm not feeling the shame Beamer talk at all. Um, Frank Sun. Oklahoma assistant, coach for Spurrier at South Carolina. I mean, if you're going to make that move, to your point, you don't make this move. And, I mean, I think you needed to make the move from Will, and I love Will, but, you know, it, it just wasn't going to work. And and it, and it, I don't think you make this move. If you're South Carolina and you go out and hire a guy that's never been a head coach, that's not proven, I, I, I again – that's why you're South Carolina. You want to be a big-time program, then act like a big-time program. Put your big boy pants on, put the money together, and get a deal done for you freeze. If not, then shut the hell up and go become continually mediocre program. And why, either buy, why even bother buying out Will Muschamp? Because Will Muschamp gave you mediocre. You yeah. want mediocre, stay mediocre, and save your money. Go and do it right. And I think Billy Napier would be a good hire. I just think you got to, in my mind, it shouldn't be whether they should make the decision to hire Hugh Freeze. It should be, let's go all out and convince him that this is where he needs to be as opposed to Tennessee in a year or Auburn in a year or wherever. Well, there's – also talk that, and you would know this better than I, um, that Muschamp is friends with uh, one Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. They have an opening now, and they're going to have more openings very likely because they've had several coaches who have declined to take pay cuts, which never is going to go over well in a COVID environment. Um, could you see Jeremy Pruitt making that uh, that move? Oh, yes, but again, if you're Will, is that where you want to go right now? I mean, in a year where next year, I mean, that's a it's a put-up or get-out year for Jeremy Pruitt. Is that where Will wants to go now? And let me just give you another one. 
I'm not saying he wants to do it or he wants to put up with it again. He can have a job on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama, too. That's true. That seems like a very stressful job. It is. It is. It is. It is. No, that's why I said he may not want to do it. I think he'll have options. I think he'll have a. I think he's a proven defensive coordinator. Um, look, that's not the problem at Georgia, but he could go to his alma mater and work for his other buddy Kirby Smart, and you know, be you know, because they're willing to. Pay. I mean, you know, that's that's it, something they may lose, and they, you know, it, the two guys think I. He'll have options. He'll have options, and I don't know. He does. He want to go to Tennessee, where it might be a one year thing, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, he might. I, I just, I don't know that that's the right fit. It's a great point to bring out. It's a great point to bring out at a few places to where he could be maybe the answer on the defensive side. Well, it'll be interesting. Now, it's just it's strange to see how far his star has fallen since being a coach and waiting at Texas and yep. he was the guy Tennessee made a run at him and you thought um you know that's the only surefire hire out there and I'm sure you knew better and had more insight going back to what you said about COVID um how many schools because of economics and because of the craziness of all this do you think are apt to if they're 50 50 fire not fire they're going to lean towards the conservative route and keep a coach on where you are. I, I think they're all going to, in a 50-50 environment, lean towards a conservative route. I think it's got to be like, in this case, with Will in South Carolina, to where it's almost too expensive to keep him, meaning you're just going to lose your fan base. You're going to lose more money. You're going to lose a lot of booster facts, and that's just, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, I mean, Texas didn't go into the year with the idea that Tom Herman was likely on the hot seat, but if they finish poorly, they're going to say, I, we do, we can't afford to keep it. You know, I think it has to be that. I think it has to be, because I think if you're 50, 50, you're not biting off this chunk of money in this environment because Dave, you're having to commit an awful lot of money to the new staff in an environment where you're likely having to cut you know, budgets and, you know, furloughs, you get doing all sorts of things. So I look, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people that are in position to where they're going to need to make coaching changes. And I think we're going to have maybe more than people might think, but I think they're all going to be in a situation where there's really no other option. I think at USC at Southern Cal, I mean, I think if Clay can get by this season they might kick the can down the road for another year to see if things get better financially. But if there's a collapse there, they're going to have to make the, they're going to have to make a move on it. There's no doubt because it's going to become too expensive to keep it. Well, it's going to be interesting uh, to see because uh, the the other school that we've kind of mentioned is Tennessee uh, and Tennessee might be in that position as well. Now they're in better, better financial decision position, excuse me. Thanks to Dave Hart and his short time at Tennessee, but my goodness, um, I don't think Philip former 
uh, wants to spend that type of money and have to go out and hire a, another coach and be behind South Carolina and whoever else may fire their coach. It's just a, it's just a mess. Well, and two, I think the optics for Phillip, and we've discussed this, I, I, I think that this is a definite kick the can down the road, give it another year, because it is. You're talking about, hey, look at me. I've got – it's not – Philip would have egg on his face. It would be, hey, everybody look at me, look at the egg on my face, because he just gave the guy an extension. And to pull the plug now would be – would be a really bad look. And I think he's going to be inclined to try to say, look, it's this, it's that, we're going to do this. Boom. And, you know, next year he's going to run out of time. Remember, this is – Will Muschamp's been there for a while. I mean, it's not – you know, it's not his second or third year. I got my real doubts about Jeremy Pruitt. I did at the beginning. So I look at it differently for, for a guy that believed in him and believes in him in Philip former, I think he's going to be inclined to stay a little longer, particularly with his coaching background. And I I'm with you. I do think that there's a lot of people getting concerned and you're very familiar with that fan base, but I think most people are concerned with the idea of, okay, he's got one more year. If not, I think, I think he's heading next year into the you better you better do something to prove it. I think right now, although I don't buy it, they'll be able to sell, look, we finished last year. Well, the COVID, 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 really bad situation. It set us back. Yeah, you know, I mean, all that stuff is applicable to everybody, and they just haven't handled it well. But I think that's going to be the reason and and the excuse that they give for, hey, you know what, we're going to – we can get this fixed next year. I I think that's going to be the narrative, personally. I don't know what you think. Well, I also think the narrative could be give it another year. I know the optics because this is Philip Fulmer's guy, but what if uh, Philip Fulmer makes the next hire and then he retires shortly thereafter? Now, he's 70 years old. Yeah. So he retires and somehow we forget you and I won't, but the average fan base will forget guy X that he hired. So if it doesn't work out, not that Philip would say this, but it that was your problem. <laughs> Even though he made the hire, I could see him thinking in that direction from my experience with him. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, you know my feeling on it. I think Philip's been a big part of the problem there. And I think Philip politically has set that thing up through the last hire behind the scenes before he got the job, before he got the athletic director job, he was pulling strings as if he was the decision maker and he was setting it up to where he can ride in on the white horse to fix it. And that's what everybody said. Oh, Phillips, he loves Tennessee. I don't doubt that Phillips loves Tennessee. Phillip loves Phillip more than he loves Tennessee. He loves Tennessee and wants to be in the position to say, hey, I'm the guy that's going to, you know, um, be the one to fix it. Interesting. Um, Florida with an impressive win, 63 to 35 over a surprising Arkansas team. Just your thought, if obviously Alabama is the creme de la creme of the SEC, is Florida closing the gap at all significantly? Thoughts? 
I, I think they are uh, having a really good year. They they do have an outstanding offense. Um, I I still worry about their defense. I don't like them matching up all that well against um, Alabama, but we've got time for that. I just think that they don't run the football quite well enough, and I don't think they're going to be able to defend the run, and I think Alabama may be able to shorten the game. But clearly they look like the second-best team in the SEC right now. Let's remind folks, though, that A&M beat them. But that's still a pretty good looking team. You know, that's a, that's that's a re- this offense is really good. I thought it was a statement game. I thought, you know, going out and putting up that many points was impressive against a team that's been well coached. Um, I thought a really nice job was done there. Um, I, I think Dan does an outstanding job. I think they scheme up well. I think they've got, um, you know, they're, they did it without their great tight end. They've got weapons around the great tight end. Um, no, I think it's been really, really impressive. Let's talk about the NFL for a second. Uh, Lamar Jackson and that offense, have have defenses started to figure that out a little bit? Well, you know, Dave, if you can't throw the football, you're going to have a hard time. You know, if you you have a weakness that people can expose, um. At the highest level, not everybody week in and week out, but against the better teams, they're going to figure you out because they're going to overplay your strength and force you to win left-handed, as we used to call it, to your weakness. I don't think they can throw the football well enough. It's why when they get, they don't match up well against Kansas City. You know, so that's the problem. And um, there's a lot of talk this week about Baltimore, a lot of talk this week about Lamar Jackson. Look, he can run the run threats. Great. And when they get it going early, they can cause a lot of problems. They could create a lot of spacing and coverage to where there's some easy, easy throws, but that's the issue there. That's the problem is that they don't throw it well enough at the highest level. So, I don't know if it's figuring it out. It's just, are you good enough to be able to force them to throw the football and defend the run with your base? Yeah, absolutely. If you have to overplay the run with numbers and you got less guys in coverage, then then they can become a little bit more effective throwing it. Then that's a different issue. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a Super Bowl caliber team. I really don't. I, I think that... When I look at the best teams in in the uh, the AFC, I mean it's Pittsburgh's better, Kansas City's better, I think Buffalo's better. Uh, I would take Tennessee over them. Um, I'm not so sure that a team like Miami, which doesn't have as much talent, is. I, I think Baltimore is under under those top three or four teams. Do you think we'll ha- be having this conversation about the Cardinals' offense and Kyler Murray a year from now, two years from now? Oh, I don't. I think Kyler Murray throws the football a lot better. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that they're better throwing the football. And so good luck trying to defend them. I think Kyler Murray is more dynamic because he can do, do more outside the pocket throwing it. And then, in fact, definitely outside the pocket. Inside the pocket, he's become a little bit height deficient, and it's a problem. Um, 
I think that that's a little bit different situation. I, I think they've got a little bit more in the passing game. And look at the receivers they got. My God, DeAndre Hopkins is the best one in the league. And Larry Fitzgerald is his old man river that just keeps flowing <laughs> and, and keep making plays. He's amazing. Uh, that guy doesn't get enough credit. And I don't know if it's because he's on the West Coast or what, but when when you look at a prototype, man, he's he's pretty close to an A+. You talking about D-Hop or Larry Fitzgerald? Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Okay, because Larry Fitzgerald, yeah, over his career, he's been phenomenal. And so he takes a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, in, in a world where all the receivers are divas, the great ones, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's as humble as can be. And you take DeAndre Hopkins, see, you know, I mean, the guy comes in, Hopkins is the best receiver in the league, and and he actually, Fitzgerald actually helps hop out because he shares with them ideas and route running and setting up, you know, defenders and makes them even better. So it's kind of the perfect world. And and I think he's extended Fitz's career because – now he doesn't have to be the main guy because people are overplaying Hopkins and now Fitzgerald's still able to make plays and still able to play pretty effective. One of my favorite quotes in any interview, because um, it was honest, which as a reporter, you don't always get honest answers, maybe 10% of the time. Uh, but he was asked on a national talk show. This was two years ago, I believe, Chris. Larry Fitzgerald was asked, would you still be in the league if you had a Super Bowl ring? He goes, no. So it tells me two things. He's honest. He's forthright. And winning a championship, not just putting up numbers like a diva receiver means something. I just think he's one of the most stand-up guys in the league. He really is. He's um, a great story, you know, for people who don't know. Um, He went to Pitt, but he grew up his father still is a sports writer in Minnesota. And so he grew up around the Vikings camp. You know, as a kid, he would, he would, he actually got a job as a ball boy in camp because his dad was covering the team and he's this young receiver. And so he was um, a ball boy and getting to know guys like Randy Moss and Chris Carter for the Denny Green coach you know, uh, Randall Cunningham, remember that great Viking team that came up short oh, yeah. against the Falcons? Um, so he was a young boy, and he ended up getting a scholarship to Pitt. Um, his mom died of cancer, and he and his dad were always very close but leaned on one another, you know, when they lost his mom and wife. He's just a great, humble young guy, and um, now – a again to see him as a veteran and now he's the older guy just makes you realize how the cycle of football life just parallels the cycle of life but goes a lot quicker in football because you can go from that young kid to a guy that's getting moved out that's a veteran player you know the the cycle of football life's a lot like quicker so uh yeah it's it's good to have good things happen to good people he's worked hard he's been high character guy and just superb, and uh, I know they love them there in there uh, in uh, Arizona. Should Titans fans be worried uh, after going back to that Colts game, thirty-four to seventeen? Absolutely, you had a chance to take complete control of that division. Now it's up in the air, and you know the Colts have got one win. They're going to play them in a couple of weeks. The Colts have played the Titans well historically. 
Um, I'd go so far as to say right now that that game might come down to determine that division the next game. Because, I mean, if the Colts win that one, they're going to have basically a game in hand, you know, two games. They'll win the tiebreaker. So I thought Tennessee at home was in the verge of not cementing the division, but just kind of closing the door, not completely, but closing it most of the way. And now, in my opinion, the door is wide open. And I think the Colts are only going to get better, only more confident. And listen, they get the Titans at home in two weeks. Um, Absolutely. I mean, should be concerned. The Titans are in it, but it was the Titans, in my opinion. And I thought the Titans were playing better than the Colts. I think the Colts are coming on now. Um, Yeah, I'd be concerned. I'd be concerned. That division's up for grabs now. Back to college football, top five teams. Well, um, it is. I would put Alabama one, Ohio State two. I, you know, look, I, I, you can rank Notre Dame three. I think Clemson's still better. I think when they play again, but but I would put Clemson and Notre Dame in some order. Um, and then, quite frankly. Uh, I think it's wide open kind of that next spot. I do think that Florida and A&M and Wisconsin would would be my next teams that I'm having a hard time separate separating. Um, I mean, look, Florida is going to end up having to play Alabama. Wisconsin is going to have to go through Ohio State. That's not going to fare very well. A&M doesn't have to play Alabama again. They, that's it. A&M's got the easiest path. But I still think Notre Dame's in best position. And I think, you know, off as we mentioned last week, off of their win against Clemson, Notre Dame, even with a loss to Clemson, is probably going to trump A&M uh, because they've got the best win and only one loss being to Clemson, um, in my opinion, you know, and what would be a split would put them ahead. So I, that's kind of how I see it. I think there's a drop-off, though. I, I still think it's Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson when fully healthy – there, there are three national championship caliber teams, and I don't think there's another one. I think the others are just vying for the fourth spot and are going to get knocked out in the first round. And uh, But l- let's open up the door for the possibility of strange things can happen in this COVID year, David. I mean, as we you know already know now, A&M Ole Miss not playing next week. How many games are going to be canceled the rest of the way? Are we going to get through the season? Um, going to be going to be a real issue. Um, going to be a real issue. How about, how about your thoughts on, I thought this was interesting because you know, Lane, how about Lane's thought? And I think there's some truth to it. Some teams may be using COVID as a cover, meaning, <laughs> yeah. meaning you know, like, uh, and there's a little bit of that going on. In Baton Rouge, I can tell you, I don't think there was any tears shed about not having to play Alabama last week. No, I think uh, there was. Either. I think there's a little more than COVID. I think there was a little bit uh, crimson tide flu, if you know what I mean. Are you saying that Lane Kiffin would troll another team? He would. How about Unbelievable. that? Unbelievable trolling, trolling his buddy because you know he and Ed. You know, Ed, Lane, they're good. They're good buddies, Lane. Yeah. Um, Ed, the, uh, Ed is just such a 
a fantastic recruiter because I still remember I hadn't seen him in five years. And first thing he says, what's up, Hook? I do a really good Ed, Ed Orgeron impression in case you didn't know. <laughs> that was good. Give it again. That's the only guy that in the middle of uh, position um, position work, when they're actually on the practice field, when I would walk on, I'm sure I wasn't the only one. I wasn't special, but he'd go, what's up, Hook? Like, just focus on the defensive line, please. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he, he advised Lane not to take that job. So I think that friendship may be a little bit uh, off kilter. Well, yeah, I, you know, well, hey, let me put you this way. Just from a competitive standpoint, Ole Miss, LSU, same division, that's going to be in and of itself. Now, I'm sure he advised Lane not to take it because he didn't have a great experience there. That was on him. Um, and look, that was Ed's first head coaching job. Lane had a brief stand at Tennessee, a brief stand at USC, you know, worked under Nick, went to, to Boca. You know, Lane was a little better prepared to handle – the Ole Miss situation than Ed was. Let's just call it what it is. Um, and, you know, I mean, look, I mean, it's it's easy to say that, but, you know, if you're Lane, um, okay, maybe he'd have waited. Maybe he'd be in the mix for the South Carolina job this year if he, was, if he hadn't taken the Ole Miss job. Yeah, you don't know, but um, I don't know. You know, look, I there's, there's um, I'll tell you this, and I'm sure you know this, but, because of his dad and his dad's background at Arkansas. Lane had, my understanding, he preferred the Arkansas job. Wow. But, but the Arkansas job, the Arkansas guys, meaning the uh, Tyson Chicken guy, Jerry Jones, <laughs> they weren't real high on. And the Walmart guy weren't real high on. Lane, nah, nah, nah. and they ended up going. And look, Sam has done a phenomenal job. I'm, I mean, it it seems peachy for both. You got, you got a, you know what? You you think about Coach Pittman. Pittman looks like he could have coached stuff. We talk about the Redskins, the Hogs, the offensive lineman. Pitt is an an off, offensive line guy. He's a hog, and I say that affectionately. Who, Who's better than to be calling the Hogs and Coach Pittman, who grew up as an Arkansas fan? I mean, I think it's a great story. So it's great how it worked out thus far. But, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting how that will work out. And uh, already Lane's done more than Ed ever did at, uh, at, at Ole Miss. God, that was a disaster. You know, no question when you rip your shirt off in the first team meeting. <laughs> That's Token Landry. He's Chris Landry. Go to LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. We'll talk to you in one week. Go on. Oh, all right. I will. 